Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the Brooklyn Bunker. So, folks, a little bit of uh, breaking news today um, is that apparently Democrats have given up. That's the breaking news. Essentially, several bipartisan, I guess, Republican and Democratic governors found their way to the White House this week where Democrats uh, have decided that they're going to ease their mask mandates. They're just going to stop using them for indoors because the Omicron surge has begun to recede. And so let's continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. Here's the thing. Um, When I woke up, to the news, particularly coming out of New York, that Governor Hochul was going to ease indoor mask mandates, you know, to help businesses. Well, I can tell you this, Governor, um, none of the businesses in New York are fucking suffering. Uh, the fact is, is that the rest of us who had begun to become accustomed to the to showing our vaccination, to going back to indoor dining into a place where we could feel safe because we knew that the people that were proprietors of said business were following, I don't know, the rules, the rules that were laid out, not by you, governor, but two years ago by your predecessor, who instead of following trends, and let me say, there's a lot to fucking say about Andrew Cuomo. There's a lot to say about his relationships with women. There's a lot to say about his uh, unprofessionalism and harassment, sexual harassment in the workplace. There's a lot to say about that. All of that said, I'm going to say this, which is wildly unpopular. He didn't follow the fucking bad pace that America was setting around the COVID-19 pandemic. No, he set the pace. He allowed New York to set the pace for our COVID-19 response. And what Governor Hochul is doing by lifting the mask mandates and saying, oh, well, what about the children? Isn't following the fucking science. It is following the poll numbers. So let's be clear about what is actually happening right now. Because the reality is this. It took about six to seven months between the alpha variant of COVID-19 and the Delta variant. It took another six to seven months between the Delta variant that ran rampant to then get to Omicron. So if you want to follow the fucking facts and follow science, then follow common sense that would tell you that as soon as this surge abates, that there is another one coming on its heels. So why you would all decide to give Republicans a win and talking points for the midterm election saying that liberals and Democrats are just fear mongerers and just want to scare you and scare your children and harm them and now can hold up and say, well, see, see, they're even easing the mass mandates so that when the next fucking variant comes, which is inevitable, 
that then you're going to have to try and corral all of these people who you have gaslit into believing that we are quote unquote beyond the fucking pandemic to try and go back into safe safety measures again. See how well that's going to fucking work. So here's what I realize and what I have, what it is so hard for me to say as someone that entered into politics 20 some odd years ago with great faith and naive belief that only a small group of people could change the world, that it was the earnest and the passionate and those that would lift and carry the torches of people who have long since passed activists and thought leaders and judges, um, and, and representatives who stood for something. The reality is much that was expressed in the matrix resurrections. These people don't want to be woke, not the Democrats, certainly not the fucking Republicans. They don't want to live consciously. They want to live under the cloud of capitalism and white patriarchy and white supremacy, right? They want to be moved in that way. They are going to move and make decisions that are based on poll numbers and politics and, and, and midterm elections or presidential elections. They are not making decisions based on your well-being, right? They would rather stay asleep. And so here is my note to the rest of us, to folks who actually care. Don't look to your government to do things for you that you're not going to do for yourself. Because frankly, friends, we have reached a point in America, the final fucking episode, right? The series finale. We have reached a point where it is evident that it does not matter who is in charge. And I say that, I say that with such frustration and anger. Sure. You can tell me that if Donald Trump had been elected to a second term, that the country would be in the shitter. Tell me how much worse things would be, because at least I would still have the belief that there were people that were out there that were wanting right to do the right thing that were willing to create equity and well-being and put public safety and health first. But what I realize now is that that is not the case, right? It's not. So Republicans may be rabid and cultish and disgusting and a horrible cesspool of a party, but Democrats are no fucking better. And so at this stage of the pandemic, of our lives, of our awareness, I say this, take care of yourself. If you are headed into crowded public spaces and places, do what is best for you right? To keep yourself safe, your community, and those that you care about safe, because your government is no longer doing that. So whatever fucking guidelines that they're deciding to lift, it is not the science that they are following. It is nobody's recommendation that we do that particularly fucking now, right? So we know what it is and it ain't about public health. That's number one. Number two is something that I have not covered on Woke AF, and I'm going to be better about doing so. Another breaking news story this week, uh, as we round out uh, the week here, six schools in Washington, D.C., six schools uh, in Washington, D.C., on Wednesday were evacuated one of which was Dunbar, um, a school in Washington, D.C., that the second gentleman, Vice President Kamala Harris's husband, was visiting for Black History Month. This is now just fucking the norm, right? School shootings, we don't really blink an eye out anymore unless, you know, more than five kids are murdered, right? Um, bomb threats, we don't blink an eye out unless something explodes right? There have been a series of bomb threats that have been happening at historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs across this country. There have been a series of bomb threats at black churches across this country. Mainstream news has decided that that's not really important. We don't really care. We don't give a damn about collective public safety. And we sure as fuck don't care about black people's safety, right? So when I saw the news break, you would think that 
it would put things at a standstill, right? That we would then have these conversations about what about the kids and what kind of world are we giving them and all of these things. The reality is, is that no one gives a shit. Democrats don't give a shit. Republicans don't give a shit, right? I watched a video. Let me tell you something. I watched a video of a candidate for Texas. Um, I want to say that the woman is running for some type of state Senate or something like that who made the most disgusting fucking um, claims about trans youth and about how they make her feel uncomfortable because this is the new, right, the new term that uh, Governor DeSantis gave to the aggrieved white rage-filled racist and homophobes and transphobes and Islamophobes and all of the fucking phobes, right, where you can say that you're uncomfortable Right. And she said she was uncomfortable with having a trans student in her classroom that she couldn't allow the other kids to make fun of. I shit you fucking not go on my Twitter and go find that video. It was absurd. It was disgraceful. Right. But you see, all you need to do in America is target, right? A class of people, a group of people, a community of people that no one gives a fuck about. And then you do whatever you say, whatever you act, however, right. Until eventually you move on from that marginalized group to another one that maybe has more backing, more money, more limelight, more awareness. That's what America is going from. It's a fucking cancer, right? That we are seeing that Republicans just spread and Democrats should just lay back and allow it to happen. And so folks, I am at a place, I'm at a place in my life and in my career where I am really asking myself, what am I doing? What are, what, what am I doing? What have I spent the last 20 something years doing to try and create a better society, to try and wake people up to social ills that they may not have been aware of with the naive belief that when people knew better, they would do better. Except what I am realizing and what is being mirrored back to me is that Americans don't want to do better. They don't want to know more. They don't want to expand their way of thinking. They don't want to think critically. They don't want to think critically, not about a pandemic, not about climate change, not about white supremacy, not about capitalism, not about anything. They just want the quote unquote norm, right? They just want the ability to bury their heads in the sand and hope that everything around them doesn't crumble because it's somebody else's responsibility to deal with. And so I sit here. And I'm going to be transparent and honest. I sit here after years of being on radio and being uh, a podcaster, after over a decade of being in media, over two, right, in being in politics. And I'm saying to myself, what the fuck am I doing with my life? That is real fucking talk. Because if the premise is to make people conscious but yet the people are telling you they would rather stay asleep. Well, then what I am doing doesn't actually make any sense anymore, does it? And so that's the place that I am finding myself and why I have said and at the beginning of the week that we need more balance, right, um, in our lives. And we need to stop looking outside of ourselves for that balance to come. It occurred to me on um, my walk today that, you know, if you were to ask any black person in America, if you were to ask any Jewish person whose family survived the Holocaust, do you believe, right, that government will keep you safe? Both of these groups, and I lift them up because they're both groups that have been in the press, in the media, in the crosshairs for the last couple of weeks because of Joe Rogan, because of The View, because of, you know, Whoopi Goldberg and what's happening at Spotify and all of these things. If you were to ask them, do you believe 
that government, whether state, local, right, or federal, are there to keep you safe, will protect you as you are watching this assault happen, right? As you're watching schools get bomb threats, uh, people armed, right? Being able to shoot and kill whomever they want and get off scot-free like Kyle Rittenhouse. When you see all of these things happening, I guarantee you there is not a person in either of those groups or people that live at the intersection that will tell you, oh yeah, I totally have faith in government to keep me safe. It has been government, was government, right, in Germany that allowed for the persecution and murder of over 6 million fucking people, right? It was government in the United States that allowed for enslaved Africans to be used as fucking human machines for centuries and then tortured thereafter with their laws, right, of inequity and injustice. So why now did I believe that we had moved to a place where government assumed the role of responsibility to all of its citizens? No, because we are seeing the total and complete regression of that. Before long, dear listeners and watchers, before long, the new Jim Crow era will be among us. And so if we are not finding ways to ground ourselves and center ourselves in something other than misery and recognizing that empires fall, they do, right? And sometimes they fall into the hands of the good, but more than not, they fall into the hands of those that are bad and they take control for sometimes a couple of years, sometimes decades and centuries. But what I know to be true is that the American empire is falling and there isn't any one person or group that is going to restore what people don't want restored, what the masses have decided that they want to ignore. They want back to normal. They want to hearken back to a time when they can ignore everything that is happening, right? And pretend all is well. They want the fairy tale of America, not the truth. And what's funny is that there has been so much excavation and unearthing over the last several years that you would think, right? You would think that you would, you would think folks that we would be charged up and feeling like we can make real change and real progress. But that progress, the little that we have made since reconstruction is being snatched. It's being snatched from us. And Democrats aren't doing anything to stop it. And so I sit here day after day, really wondering at the end of each and every week what I am doing, what any of us who have chosen this field and this profession are doing. What is the goal? Because you can't force people to open up eyes that they choose to keep closed. You can't force people to assume power that they are acquiescing for their ease and for their comfort. So then what do you do? My choice, my decision, and hopefully I can model it for other people is I'm choosing me. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to continue to be aware, right, of what is going on and to share that information with all of you, but then I'm going to choose to fucking let it go, right? Because it is not going to be my cross to bear or any of our cross to bear until we are dead and gone. And it is important for us to realize that there is only so much to do that. Now that is not to throw up my hands, 
right? And let these people have their way with this country. But it is to recognize that this is a marathon. The baton may be in our hands right now, but it's getting ready to be passed to the millennials, to Generation Z, right? And to the youth who have more energy, better ideas, better technology, and hopefully we'll figure out how we get further in this race, in this marathon, than we have. Because what we are giving to them to inherit is a legacy of gun violence, bomb threats, a climate crisis, a global health pandemic, racism, white supremacy, transphobia, homophobia, misogyny. That's what our legacy is. That is what we are passing on. Coming up next is my conversation with our friend, Ellie Mistel, who will talk about something good for a change, which is the litany, the long laundry list of exceptional black women for Joe Biden to choose from to replace Justice Breyer on the Supreme Court. That conversation is coming to you next. Friends, you know that I am always so excited when friend of the show and friend of mine, justice correspondent for the nation, Ellie Mistel, joins Woke AF Daily to break down the latest and greatest in all America's legal woes. But for this episode, my goodness, we have something good to talk about, not the shit, not democracy crumbling, not the bad decisions that are coming out of SCOTUS, but Ellie the potential that Joe Biden is going to be the first politician ever to actually uphold one of the campaign promises that they made to the black community, which was to appoint a black justice. Now that we know that Justice Stephen Breyer is retiring at the end of this term, which is I'm assuming at the end of June, right? Um, Yes. So, so tell us first, Is this something we should be excited about? It is Black History Month, and I like to celebrate all things Black uh, all year, 365. But is this something that we should be excited about? Or is it like the Maya Angelou on the quarter and the celebration of Juneteenth, even though we can't talk about Juneteenth in schools? Is it, you know, is it something that is a, a to placate us or as your piece that you wrote in uh, in the nation entitled The Many Remarkable Black Women Who Could Replace Stephen Breyer, is it something that we should be celebrating? Yeah, no, I think this is I think this is a good thing. First of all, hi, thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs> no, I think this is an objectively good thing. Um, not just for the symbolism, although the symbolism is important. This country has been around for almost 250 years. There have been 115 Supreme Court justices. Zero of them have been Black women. Only one of them have, has been a woman of color. In fact, the entire, the entire, in the entire history of America, um, the justices who were not cis-hetero white men are Thurgood Marshall, Clarence Thomas, Sandra Day O'Connor, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Elena Kagan, Sonia Sotomayor, and Amy Coney Barrett. I just named them all off the top of my head. Okay? Like, that's that's how few non-cis-hetero white men have been in charge of reading and interpreting our laws. So, yeah, it's a big deal when anybody who come who's not from that um tradition gets on the court it was a big deal when amy coney barrett became only the fifth woman in history to be on the supreme court and it's certainly a big deal when a woman of color gets an opportunity and particularly a black woman so all of these things are are important and are more than mere symbolism is it going to change our lives probably no right do we win the publisher's clearinghouse no like this this ain't there, no black people are not going to get a prize in the mail because a black woman is on the Supreme Court right now, right? The the balance of power 
doesn't change. It's still a 6-3 court, which will take rights away from black and brown people and women. Um, so that is still like happening. Um, there, the, uh, a friend of mine said that it, it's typical, right, that that we're going to nominate a black woman onto the Supreme Court just in time for her to try to clean everything up because yep. Yep. <laughs> because the, the court's a mess right now and there's nothing one a black person, um, no matter how kind of remarkable and exceptional she may be, there, there's no way she can stop the the madness um, that has gripped the, the white wing and right wing on the Supreme Court right now. Um, so it's not it's not a life changing appointment or, or opportunity in the same. It's not the same as when uh, Republicans, frankly, were able to steal the seat um, uh, from Barack Obama and get Neil Gorsuch on the score. That was a life changing moment. Um, uh, this is not that, um, but it's still important. It's still it's still positive, and it's still again I think unquestionably good. Not just because she's going to be a black woman, but when you look at the kinds of people that Biden is looking at, these are some really strong um, candidates, right? Like, I don't want, it's not put like this. It's not like you're looking for, for, for Candace Owens, right? Like, he's not, <laughs> you're not going to appoint Mia Love to the, <laughs> to the court, right? So it's not, it's not, it's going to be a, a person who happens to be a black woman who also is going to do you know, and, and believe and write a bunch of other kinds of things and opinions um, that are going to be on the court for the next, you know, hopefully 30 years. So, you know, I, I want to talk for a minute about uh, the polls, which, you know, folks who listen to Woke AF and listen to me know that I, I take polls with a grain of salt, but because we use them in politics, uh, it's it's important to lift up. So there's a poll that is going around, um, and, and I saw it at thehill.com, which is saying that most Democrats are excited uh, about this, uh, excited about the the potential of this choice, the symbolism of it, but also how they believe it can in it can help um, energize the Democratic base right now at a time when we need energy and passion and excitement as we head into midterms. But there is, of course, like 40% of the population and probably more, depending on how you ask the question and to whom and where, um, that is using the usual defense, Ellie, which you brought up in your piece. So I just want to give you an opportunity to speak to it, which is why can't Joe Biden just pick the most qualified person? Why does race have to even play in? Why did he even have to say and articulate that he was going to place a black woman on the court? Why couldn't it just be, I'm going to place the most qualified, you know, candidate on the court? Please articulate your pushback to that constant refrain that we hear. Yeah, so a couple of things. One, why don't Republicans place the most qualified person on the court? Because they, they don't, don't have any. Okay. They, they they place the most qualified white person on the court, right? Donald Trump made 226 federal judge appointments. 85% of those appointments were white. 75% of those appointments were male. You cannot tell me within good faith that in our entire country, the most qualified qualified judge 85% of the time is going to be a white person in a country that's only about 60% white. You simply can't make me believe that. You cannot tell me in a country that's about evenly split between men and women, 75% of the time, the most qualified person to be a judge is going to be a man. That just ain't true. All right. So number one, y'all are the ones who are a little bit obsessed with race and gender when you pick yo judges. Mm -hmm. Number one. Number two, if we're talking about qualifications, you can't get more qualified than some of the judges that Biden could pick, even if he just focuses exclusively on the underrepresented community of black women. All right. Mm -hmm. You don't have a better resume than some of these other women. You have at best an as good resume as some of these other women. Right. So the question of qualifications is really it's, it's really reductive because there are I mean, it depends on how you think about this. I actually think that the Supreme Court that it's a lot easier to be a Supreme Court justice than we think. Right. Like I think it's comparatively harder probably to be a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon than it is to be a Supreme Court justice. But even if you want to say that there is some 
you know, level, bar, whatever, um, for qualifications. How many people do you think in the country could be a Supreme Court justice, right? I've got about like a million, right? In a country of 312 million people, I figure a good, cool, easy million people today <laughs> could be a Supreme Court justice, right? So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to whittle it down from a million or so into some kind of manageable number of three or four or five picks, right? And when you start to whittle it down, even if you just focus on one underrepresented group, you're gonna find four, five, six people who are as qualified or more qualified than everybody else. That's just how it works. If he only was going to look at Asian Americans, he would find four, five, six qualified Asian Americans who are more qualified or as qualified or anybody else. If he focused on, if he focused on the people who went to Disney World in a three-week period, he'd find one or two people that are <laughs> amazingly qualified for the Supreme Court, right? So. The, the the argument that he is somehow not picking the most qualified mm -hmm. people is bollocks on its face. He is going to pick somebody who is as qualified as any justice sitting on the court and as any per potential justice out there. The issue is simply that instead of being like Republicans and and favoring white male mm -hmm. cis hetero dudes, he is going to focus on a different group, and I applaud him for it. Look, I said at the beginning, after what Trump did, and I don't think people really under, fully understand, Trump is like the first president since Nixon not to place a black woman on, on a federal court, all right? Like, after Trump's, after what Trump tried to do to just whitewash the federal judiciary, I said, I think, around the inauguration that if you ask me to be a white man on a federal to get a, a federal judge appointment um, from this Democratic administration and be a white man, man, yo ass be a, better be able to fly, right? Like you, <laughs> you better like like I'm a judge and I cured cancer. Like you have to have some kind of amazing qualification because right now there is a backlog. Right. Of immensely qualified, overqualified people who couldn't get a look in the previous administration and, quite frankly, don't get a look whenever there's a Republican administration. Some of these people that we're talking about as finalists uh, uh, for, for, for the Biden appointment, why didn't Trump vet some of these people if all he was concerned about was qualifications? Trump himself said that he wanted a woman to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's Trump's words, not mine. The National Review wrote that they wanted a woman to replace Ginsburg so that when they overturn Roe v. Wade, there would be a woman on their side. That's their words, not mine. So since they were so interested in getting a woman, why didn't they vet any of these very well-qualified women? One of the finalists was actually a finalist for the merit for the appointment that went to Merrick Garland that shouldn't that unfortunately went to Merrick Garland during the Obama administration mm -hmm. why wasn't she brought back in for an interview with Trump ah because because Trump cared about the race of the woman quite a bit you know and i and i just i you know one of the reasons one of the many reasons why i always have you on woke app is for this is for the straightforwardness is because you know all republicans do is perpetuate a race war. All they do is think about race and how it factors into every decision that it is that they are making. But because their their because their default is whiteness, right? And because we have no idea how to actually talk about race and racism in this country, um, we allow them to get away with it, right? I, I don't remember any headlines talking about any of the selection of Donald Trump's, uh, of them being 75% uh, percent male and 85% white. I don't remember that being a part of the, of the conversation. I do remember the American Bar Association saying a lot of those motherfuckers were not qualified to like be attorneys in general, let alone be sitting on anybody's federal bench. So, you know, I, I think that- Jumping right here. Go ahead. I, that point goes back- back to where you started with the polls, right? What you'll note is that The Hill and the ABC and the Wall Street Journal didn't poll people on whether they thought 85% of the judges should be white under the Trump administration. Nobody asked them that. 
Nobody asked them if they thought 75% of the judges should be male under the Trump administration. They never asked the American people if they're okay with what white people do. Come on. They only ask the American people, they only ask the American white people if they're okay when a black person gets promoted or gets put in the spotlight, right? So yeah, of course, if you ask a bunch of white people, would you like to have less power today? What are they going to say? Yeah. Like, like what, how, how do you think half of them are going to respond? Come on. That's not even that's not even a fair or right, right question. And we know, they know it's not a fair or right question because they never ask it in reverse. Come on. They never ask it on the other side. So we know what the game is. The question is simply, do Democrats have the ability and intestinal fortitude to stand up to this bullcrap and keep mo keep moseying on and doing what they were going to do anyway? So far for this particular appointment, in part because of how just brazenly McConnell and the Republicans have manipulated the court, I, I, I think they will. But, you know, the attacks are going to come, Danielle. One of the reasons why I've been so out front in writing about this mm -hmm. is that we know what they're going to do. We know what they do to any black person who kind of rises above the noise. We know what they do to any black person when you when they can focus on just one black person, right? Like it's a little bit harder when they have to like deal with all of us at the same time, right? But when they can can they can isolate it's like hunting, right? When yep. they can isolate one of us, you know, from the group, when they can put us off to the side, then it becomes like a real rally, you know, just a a, a feeding frenzy. Yeah. And we a know battering that whoever ground. Um, Biden picks is going to be subjected to the worst kinds of attacks. It's already started. He hasn't even named a person, and the Republicans cannot chew a meal with their mouth closed without blurting out some kind of like, oh, also black women don't know the law. Oh, uh, Joe, Joe Kennedy, t John Kennedy, today, when I woke up this morning, I saw it on Twitter, today was like, I won't. Uh, Justice that's going to read a Lao book, not the J. Crew catalog. What the fuck does that mean? What, what, what freaking lawyer is reading a J. Crew catalog? Like, it makes no sense, but they've already started in on it. And they, and, and it hasn't even named a person and the attacks have already started. Can you imagine how bad it's going to be when there's an actual human being that they can, that they can uh, punch? You know, what, what this brings up for me too, I mean, I know that it is an incredible honor, right, to serve uh, on the Supreme Court, or at least it used to be before we put anybody and anybody on there. Um, you know, rapists, uh, included. Um, but you know, I, I wonder too, of the women that you've listed, right? Like, you know, and, and you listed and I, and I want in the couple of minutes that we have left to actually run through, um, some of those whose, whose names you've lifted up, but <laughs> you know, there may be people who are just like, yeah, I'm good. Right. Like in this political, in this political climate, like, you know, thanks so much for thinking of me, but like, I'm okay. Right. Do you, do you think like that, that is a, that is a, 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 a potential as well that you could be called on by your president and be like, yeah, so I see the way you're doing your vice president. So I'm actually good. There were people I thought about putting on my list and didn't because I didn't want to draw attention to them because <laughs> they're my friends. And like, I don't want like, like I hadn't, you know, I hadn't run it by her. I hadn't run it by this woman. I hadn't run it by that woman, whether she even wanted that kind of attention um, that could happen. You know, these are, you know, I'm talking about people who, you know, law academics or, or, or people who um, are, are, are not famous. Right. And the attention that you can get, from the very worst people in the country when you start getting bandied about even on a short list much less the actual nominee it's really really intense and it's not fun it will not be nice um yeah. for, for these people look i every i think most people ultimately would take it because it's because it's it's because it's you know because it's a really i mean look at look at alleged attempted rapist brett kavanaugh look at handmaid and amy covet barrett look at neil gorsuch right it's a bad few weeks and then a lifetime of inscrutable power from which you can functionally not be fired who doesn't take that right i'll take you know it's it's, it's avon barksdale you can only do two days in jail right the day you go in 
and the day you come out. I would go through the confirmation hearing and be like, I only got to deal with this for two days. The first day, it's going to be bad. And the last day, it's going to be bad. And then I'm there for life. Right. So I take it. And it. I think most people would, would, would make that same calculus. Um, and so I, so I feel like this. I don't think Biden's going to have trouble, you know, finding volunteers. Um, but it's going to be, but for whoever he picks, it's going to be bad. And it's going to be bad from both sides. Like, we know the kinds of racist Republic, things Republicans will say. But let's not forget that we also have a very, you know, what's the, what's the nice word of, of saying it? We we also have well-meaning whites who mm-hmm. that are Mom, that Martin Luther King warned us about, right? Right. Um, that, that, your that, your wonderful liberal moderates, to, right? Um, that don't like controversy and are very susceptible susceptible to the oh, I would totally support a black woman, but not that black woman. Right, like we, like we, we know that that's gonna be a thing. We also have kind of well-meaning, hard left, uh, 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 white progressives who have kind of made a cottage industry of taking shots at pretty much any black person ever. I mean, like, I, 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 there, there are some people on the hard left who I cannot name a black person they actually like. Right, like, just all, all we seem to have extra smoke. Um, um, when a black person says, does, or, or, or believes anything. So, like, there's that. And there's also in the black community, uh, 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 I, don't, I don't think this is a huge part of the issue, but it's going to be part of the issue. We are talking about black women now, aren't we? And that there is a part of the black male community that doesn't always support the sisters. Um, uh, so so that, that is going to be, I think, an undercurrent um, a, a, a small one, in the same way that you know, all of these groups are small individually, right? There are not a lot of white progressives who only have smoke for black people. There are not a lot of black men who don't support black women. There are not a lot of white liberals who are that mealy mouth and weak. But when you put them all together, and when you you have a slash and a cut and a slash and a cut and a slash and a cut, it can kind of snowball on itself to give a person who isn't paying attention, who's only looking at it from a kind of 30,000 foot view, man, is, is, was this the right nominee at all? Maybe we should have nominated Oprah. Like, we'll, we'll just we'll get that, <laughs> Maybe right? we should have nominated <laughs> Oprah. Um, so run us through with a couple of minutes that we have, just run us through the the black women that you lifted up uh, in your piece and, and just give us like a snapshot into why they made it to your, to your list and many people's list, but, uh, right. mo- more importantly to your list. Kentanji Brown Jackson is the leader in the clubhouse. She was the woman I was referring to who was a finalist for the um, position that eventually was, went to Merrick Garland, um, back under Barack Obama. So she's been well vetted by at least one white house and Biden probably already knows her, at least has an impression of her. Um, she's very well educated, long long time serving on the bench, uh, 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 you know, very smart, a history of writing um, very good opinions. Um, she's she's left of center, but she's not a crazy. She's not like me, right? She's not crazy left. <laughs> she's, she's a reasonable um, um, leftist uh, um, person. So she's because of all of that, she's just she's the she's one of the more unassailable. Um, picks, and I still think that she's going to be the one. However, you've got a strong uh, 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 candidate and Michelle Childs, who is a, a district judge in South Carolina. Um, she has the support of James Clyburn, James Clyburn. And uh, that's that's big, especially in the Biden administration. Um, Congressman Clyburn saved that Biden, that campaign, and Biden knows it. Um, also, uh, uh, just Judge Childs, um, she got her BA from University of South Florida. She got her um, law degree from the University of South Carolina. We just don't have that kind of educational experience mm-hmm. on the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, on the Supreme Court, until Amy Coney Barrett, all of the lawyers currently on the Supreme Court were from Harvard and or Yale. That or was Yale. it. Mm-hmm. Amy Coney Barrett's from Notre Dame, so another kind of ritzy private school. So having a lawyer that went to like a state university to get her law degree, like that alone, that's that's more that's diversity in more ways than one. So yeah. with that and the and you know remember Scranton Joe got his law degree from from Syracuse you know he ain't no fancy Ivy League lawyer himself right so like that could really be a thing um, that Biden latches onto um, I, I've look Sherilyn Eiffel is in the running she's the current she's the head of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund you just can't find a 
be better fighter for civil rights in our generation than Cheryl and Eiffel. Um, she's amazing. She's an amazing lawyer. If you don't think that being in the head of the NAA, uh, NAACP Legal Defense Fund is a good qualification for the Supreme Court, I will remind you that that was Thurgood Marshall's old job before he was nominated to the Supreme Court. So there's some symmetry there, having the first black man come from the mm -hmm. LDF and the first black woman that come from be, the LDF. Yeah, that would extraordinary be extraordinary kind of history. And there's some other candidates, Leandra Kruger, uh, California uh, uh, State uh, Supreme Court judge. She's only, Leandra Kruger's only 45. That's a big um, uh, plus in her uh, category. All of the women I've listed, by the way, are under 60. But yes. Kruger's under 50, which Come is how on. Republicans have been rolling with it, right? Um, so she's, uh, she's an amazing writer, an amazing advocate. She was a deputy solicitor general during the Obama administration and really uh, uh, developed a, a reputation for eloquence in her arguments um, and also is very quite progressive. So, you know, they're, again, you're not going to get better resumes than these people. KB, uh, KBJ, Brown Jackson, we're talking Harvard, Harvard Law School, eight years on the bench, head of the U.S. Sentencing Commission, formal federal prosecutor. You know, Kruger, uh, uh, Harvard, uh, Yale Law, editor of the La Yale Law Review, Cheryl Eiffel, we've already talked about, Childs, um, uh, 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 you know, longstanding justice uh, judge in the District Court of South Carolina. You don't get better resumes than the people, these people. You get as good resumes as these people. So let me ask you a final question, Ellie. Um, let's bar reality for a minute and go into a... Uh, an America that is one that we would want to actually live in, right? Um, and we didn't have to worry about the politics and all of the minefields. If you had your wand, your gavel, and we're making this decision, um, who would you choose? I know you listed five, I, but who would be your pick? pick? <sighs> oh, you're like, Tiffany Cross asked me the same question on the television, and I said, <laughs> look, I, I, I'm planning to do. Look, I'm rooting for everybody black. I have, <laughs> okay, Isa. <laughs> I don't got no favorites. Whoever it is, I will support. I don't, I love all of them. I love black people. Like I love I'm black just, people. I'm, I'm for I'm for everybody. Um, look, there. Kentonji Brown Jackson is the favorite for a reason, and I know this is going to sound a little bit self-serving because I also went to the big Harvard. I have a similar kind of resume as she did, and only she went out to work, and I just I went to my basement to write like this. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit self-serving. But I, in this context, the reason why people end up on the Supreme Court from like two or three law schools is because the opposition is always about, oh, they're not, especially when you're talking about women or women of color. It's always, oh, they're not smart enough. They don't deserve to be there, blah, blah, blah. And so when you have these like educational, it's almost like a shield. Like, what are you going to yeah. say? Yep. And so that's one of the reasons why she's a favorite. The other reason why she's a favorite is that she is the one that I know has been vetted the most because she almost got this job under Obama. Before. And so mm -hmm. like, you know, one of the things that I didn't get to say that's important, every, whoever Biden picks will also have the moral qualifications to be on the Supreme court. And you can't say that about Republicans either, but to make sure that you have the moral qualifications, people yeah. got to be able to go into your history. And, you know, if they find, you know, you understand if they find a parking ticket, Marsha Blackburn will use that against them at the hearings, right? So, like, you have to be so squeaky. You have lived your life in such a way um, that that's very limiting. So, and for the most part, I'm sh I, I feel confident that Brown Jackson has just because she's been through this before. Cheryl Eiffel, quite frankly, has too. She's been in the public eye for so long. I also have a, a really good sense that she has been deeply vetted for this position. So, you know, these are my favorites. Then become like who's easiest to confirm i mean people keep saying like oh are mansion and cinema gonna stay on board yeah look for the most part mansion and cinema have been on board with the judicial appointments it's all the policies that they're they've been against and frankly uh brown jackson was recently uh appointed to the dc circuit court of appeals to replace merrick garland when garland went to be attorney general and she got 53 votes right Susan right. Collins, yeah. Lisa Murkowski, and Lindsey Graham all voted for her for the D.C. Circuit. So if Biden can put forward a person who can get even one Republican vote, uh, that that could be a, a big a big help 
going forward. Childs, one of the reasons why Childs is interesting is that she's from South Carolina and Tim Scott, Tim Tool Scott is sitting right there. And while I, I have no, I have completely believed that Tim Scott has it in him to vote against the first black woman justice. Because oh, yes. That, that's what that, that seems, that seems on par dude is all about. Mm -hmm. But when, but is he going to have to, is he going to vote for against the first black woman ju justice from, from his, his own state? Damn state? Yeah. That would be something, wouldn't it? Right. So, you know, these are, these are why the people who are the favorites are the favorites. It's not just their resumes is that they bring other things to the table politically that could make them easier uh, to confirm. So, so I, so, so my favorite is the person who's easiest to confirm at this point. Um, because I don't want Republican shenanigans and I don't want Democrats to lose heart. I mean, there was this, we got a scare. We got a scare this week when we found out that Senator Lejean, um was treated last weekend for a stroke. And we, and you got to remember the, the majority is so tenuous. Any of these people get hit by a bus and you lose the majority and Mitch McConnell will not let a replacement you know, be voted on. If he's in charge, just won't let it happen. So we have to move quickly. We have to move with 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 more than deliberate speed, and we have to get this confirmation through, kind of with as little drama as possible. And I'm for that. Um, what is the time frame, Ellie? Do we know? Look, she said they they confirmed Barrett in 27 days. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's they they confirm Amy Coney Barrett in 27 goddamn days. I think it's going to be longer than that. But look, we're in Black History Month, as you said. Biden will announce. And I'm like, 27 days sounds good to me. If it's good, right? if it's good for the white COVID lady, then it's then it's <laughs> fine. Then it's fine for me. Biden will announce this during Black History Month. You can bank on that. And remember, he's got the State of the Union on March 1st. I wouldn't be surprised if that State of the Union is timed with reannouncing the pick. And then being like, go vote for her now. And those hearings happen in March. That would be my guess at this point. Okay. Well, and Ellie, she'll once. she reconfirmed for when Breyer leaves the bench in June. Well, please make sure to come back to Woke AF when the announcement is made so that we can dig deeper into that choice and then understand the Everest of assaults that they're going to be up against, sadly, from both the right um, and, and, and the left. As always, Ellie Mistel, we appreciate your presence and your passion on Woke AF. Thank you so much for making the time for us. Thank you so much for having me. I don't know, folks, but I, I will tell you this. It is why I am making it, making a conscious effort. And what I have realized <clears throat> as I transition right now into what I am going to refer to as our woke moment of wellness uh, until I can come up with a catchier name. And maybe you all have a catchier name that uh, that I can use. And so please do share any branding, <laughs> marketing ideas. But as I transition right now into our woke moment of wellness, um, I want to share with you this story. I want to close out with this because it brought me joy today. And I realized that happiness and joy is something that you have to be vigilant about that you have to be intentional with, that it doesn't just happen, right? Um, that there needs to be intent and tools and tactics that you are using to stay above the fray, to be able to continue to vibrate higher. So for the past two months, right, uh, as, as folks have seen and, and know, I have been recording from home and I've been staying home. Um, as Omicron was raging out of control in New York, I said I have the privilege to be able to work from the comfort of my home, so I'm going to do that. And over the course of the last two months, you know, we have seen spikes and now we are seeing this um, receding uh, of this this iteration of COVID. And so, you know, I have been feeling very restless. I've been feeling very depressed. I have been feeling uh, like I have just been languishing. And my sister, uh, who you all know, um, you know, was just like, well, what's, you know, aside from what we all know, what is going on? And I told her, I said, I hadn't been walking. I hadn't really been leaving the house. And it had occurred to me that I had been 
I had regressed. I had gone back to crouching over my computer to having the news on in the background 24 seven. And it felt like the walls were closing in. And I said, and on top of that, it's fucking winter and it's freezing outside and I don't necessarily want to go out. Um, even to do my walks, which bring me so much joy and energy. Um, and she said to me, Danielle, there is no bad weather. There is just bad clothing. And so layer up and get the fuck outside. If you don't, you're going to go crazy. And lo and behold, my sister, my big sister was a hundred percent right. I did. I grabbed my fuzzy socks and boots and layered up my pants and put on multiple shirts and my heavy winter coat. And it was 24 degrees outside last week. And I decided to go on at least a 20 minute walk. I stayed outside for 45 minutes. The air felt so crisp on my face and my lungs. I came home and my apartment felt different. I felt different. I felt like I had released, you know, some pent up energy that just the movement and the connection to the outdoors and listening to my music and just being able to move. I had put myself back in this quarantined prison, right? Even going outside for a walk, I had scared myself out of doing and made excuses that it's winter and, oh, I'll just wait for the spring. Well, guess what, folks? We're not bears. We can't just hibernate. We need to find ways to live and do so safely, right? But to remember to live. And I had forgotten over the last two months. I couldn't understand why I was feeling so anxious, so fearful, so frustrated, so heavy. Nothing changed in the world, right? While I started walking again, but I changed. And I was able to open up so that I could hold a little more, but also release a lot. So yesterday on my walk, um, I had over the past couple of years, there was this gentleman, black man, lovely smile that sits on a bench and he literally knows every single person. Everyone knows him. The workers in the park know him, the runners, the walkers, the dog walkers, the people with the nannies, the people with their kids, everybody knows him. Waves, stops, sits down. He just offers a bit of lightness in your day. And because for two months it had been really cold and the weather had been quite shit, I hadn't seen him. And I saw him this week and we don't really know each other. We just have exchanged names and we exchange pleasantries, but there's something so wonderful about remembering to be human, to just smile for no reason, to offer people a kind word or a wave. And that's what he does. And so he told me yesterday as he was asking, you know, Danielle, how are you doing? How are you doing really? I said, you know, I explained all the things that I just said to all of you. And he said to me, life is too short. So live tall always. That is what my park friend Edwin said to me. And I stood there looking at him as he said it. And he said it again. Life is too short, so live tall, always. That's what I will leave you all with today. I think that when we get caught up in the fear, in the anxiousness, in the anger, in the rage, in the frustration, in the languishing, we forget that life really is short and that it is for the living. We were all born with an expiration date that we don't know the date of. And there is a lot that is going on. And I'm not saying to pretend that it doesn't exist, but I am saying that we need to figure out a way to get back to living 
and reminding ourselves of that every single day and being intentional about how we live. That, friends, is your woke moment of wellness. That is it for me today. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home.